Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Right, without any further ado, this morning, we are very, very excited. We are doing something that's uh, really special, a highlight for us. We are landing, we, if you're new and visiting, we've been preaching through the book of Colossians for the last six or seven weeks. And this Sunday, we are landing that whole series by bringing four of our best preachers, four of the very best preachers you could ever hear. And they're so good that they can do what myself or Brett or somebody else preaching can do in 40 minutes. They can do it in seven minutes. This is, and if you're visiting church, you're like, that's my kind of preacher. <laughs> Seven minutes and we're good. So we're going to give you four preachers. This is something called sevens. So each of these preachers, uh, all of them, none of them work for the church. These are people who've got full-time jobs, but they are people who have got full-time passion for Jesus. And we're so excited about that. So we're going to get them up one by one. They're going to preach for seven minutes. There's literally going to be a clock. So when they hit seven minutes, they're done. That, that's a good church to belong to. There's no preacher saying one more point. No, 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 you're done. You're done. But here's the amazing thing. This is the incredible thing. They're preaching this morning with passion. They're prepared incredibly well. And I really believe every word they're going to bring is going to bring life and joy and hope to your soul. But I want to say this is, this is a reminder to us that preaching is not just a one-way monologue. We, we want to be a people who respond in faith. So I'm going to give you permission today to get a little bit excited this, there's no, if, you, if you yawn, Mark Hughes, I see that yawn. I see that yawn, Mark Hughes. And I can see everything from up here. If you yawn, you're out as well. No. But you have to encourage them. You can, you're allowed to amen. If they say something good, you can say amen. If, if, it's, if it's reasonably good, you can go, that's right. Mm, mm-hmm. If whatever you would like to do, you can do it. But, but I, love us, I love you to get involved. And actually, just let's encourage these people. Something we say at Life Changes, golf claps. You know what golf claps are? That polite applause that you can hardly hear. Jolly, jolly good shot, good show, sir, or something like that. None of that's allowed. We are people who celebrate, we are people who encourage, but I actually want, the reason why we do that is not for enthusiasm's sake. It's actually for our hearts to engage with the Word of God, because actually God is wanting to speak with us, and we are people who don't just spectate, we participate with what God is doing. So this is to activate our hearts, say, God, whatever you're going to say, would you do in me to this morning? So everyone okay for that? Give me an amen. amen. Come on, preach it, brother. I love it. I love it. It's, I almost start to feel like I'm, a, I'm an African-American person in these moments, you know? but I'm not. I'm the furthest thing from it. So this morning, four preachers, seven minutes each. This morning, I'd love to introduce you to our very first preacher this morning, an incredible man who's married to a lovely lady called Amy. Uh, so Scott, why don't you come up while I do this intro? So, so, before, so we don't, um, come on, come on. I'm not using your time yet, Scott. I'm just introducing you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Pause that clock. No. But this amazing man is married to this, uh, this lovely lady, Amy, and they're expecting uh, a little baby in the beginning of September, and uh, Gabriel is on the, is an option, a name. It's a terrible joke. Let's be honest. It's so boring, that joke now. But, but we're really excited for this, this amazing couple. If you don't know them, God has done profound things in their life, and they've fallen pregnant this year, and we've celebrated with you guys and, and your journey, and we're so proud of you. They're from Pretoria, and then on the way to Cape Town, right here, they moved to Langebaan for a couple of years, but they've been a part of Life Changes Milton for the better part of a year now, and we just want to say we're so thrilled to have you guys here. This is an amazing couple. Amy's a teacher. This man's a very, very clever something or other. What do you do, by the way? engineer. An engineer. 
See, I knew I'd never get that one. Engineer, never heard that one before. But anyway, but he's going to preach a word of faith to us. So I'm going to pray once here, and then I won't pray again. But Father, I pray for us as we lean into your words this morning. I thank you, Father, fill our hearts with faith, and would we respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Sarah, you can start the clock. Thanks, Gabe. Morning, Mulnerton. Um, I'd like to read from you from Colossians 1, verse 17, and it says, Jesus Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Just as we're busy wrapping up this series on Colossians, it's been a particularly meaning time, meaningful time for me. Really, we've gone through the last few months, and things have changed inside me, inside my heart. I'd probably even describe it as an inflection point in my life, an inflection point being a decisive moment that marks the start of significant change. And that's what it's been for me. So this morning, I'd like to share a bit of my story with you. It's the only one I've got. It's about me and my wife. And just hope that as I share part of my story, that it would resonate with you and we'd be able to grow together. If we rewind back to 2014, um, that was an incredible year. Amy and I were engaged to get married at the end of that year. Life was great. There was all this excitement, hope, promise. You know when you walk outside and all the flowers look a bit brighter, things just taste better in general. There was all this promise. We were involved in a, an amazing church community where we come from up north, Pretoria and Joburg. And just there was people going all out for Christ, promise, hope, prophecies, all these things aligning of our lives. And then fast forward a few years, um, and we were living in what felt like for us complete isolation. Um, it was our form of a wilderness. Some people refer to it as the West Coast. Um, and we were, we were staying there, um, and it felt extremely unknown and foreign for us. Um, it, it, the sensation was walking into a room with all the lights off and you had to find your way through it. You knew you'd hit your head at some point, you just weren't, weren't sure when. Um, and people said to us when you arrived, they say you, you cry when you come to the West Coast and you cry when you leave. And we were, we were crying on our, on our arrival. Um, and as beautiful as it was there, it really was amazing. But we struggled to, dink, to sink our feet into the sand. We, we had been trying for what felt like the longest time to start a family. Um, things hadn't worked out for us. My work felt particularly mundane and soulless, and we were just just desperate for community. I think at times I was just desperate for a friend. Um, the only friend I seemed to be able to make was this night adder that would crawl into our bathroom in the evenings. Um, it's a true story, and things, things did get quite messy there. Um, <laughs> But, but it, the sensation that, that our life had been put on pause, that all this hope and promise and excitement from our previous life, and somebody pushed the pause button, and no matter what we did or how hard we tried, how hard we prayed, fasted, we just couldn't push the play button again. It just felt like for years on end, we had just paused. Somebody had stopped something, and we just couldn't get going. And just mixed up in that too was this challenge in this journey of struggling with our faith too and our church back home was going probably through, through its most difficult time and our family were at the forefront of that and just everything mixed up together with family and church and some key people and just this almost painful process of having to pull things apart and that your relationship with Jesus is not dependent on a particular church or institution or person, that we had to figure that out in, by ourselves in isolation. It was, it was a difficult time. Um, and also just really, really searching for the Lord in the depths of, of who we were and who I was. Um, and just in that difficult place, found 
this gap starts to open up. Um, this gap opens up between that picture of what you think your life should look like and the reality of where you are at the moment, this disjoint, this chasm between where you think you should be in your life and the reality of just where you are feels pretty average. Um, and that's where we were, crying out to the Lord, praying to Him. And as we know, the Lord meets us in our place where we're hurting the most, where sometimes things feel the most dead and the most broken and the most alone, that the Lord meets us there. And in the quietness of the West Coast, with the crickets in the background, the Lord spoke, and it was through Jeremiah 1, um, verse 5, and it says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before my strife, before my disappointment, before my heartache, before my striving, before all of those things, even before I was born or formed, he was there. And he formed me and he had a plan for me and a purpose for me. And that's where we find ourselves, just ramping up into the series on Colossians. And that scripture I read at the start is the one that stood out for me. It was um, Colossians 1 verse 17. It says, Jesus Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And I've needed to make this true for me, that Jesus Christ not only holds all things together, he holds me together. He holds Scott Ferreira together. And I've needed to make that real for me, that when you feel like you're being pulled apart, when that picture of where you should be, who you should be, is so far away that the Lord holds those things together. And just in our time on the West Coast, that the Lord was holding us together there. Even though it felt painful and terrible and lonely at times, He was holding us together. And just really, it, it was an incredible thing, but and practically for me, it, it meant, a, meant a laying down. Um, that picture, that idea of where my life should be, of who I should be, of where I should be, I had, to, I had to lay it down. I had to say, Lord Jesus, I put these things at your feet. I put down my, some dreams, aspirations, even good things. I lay it down. I lay down the things that need to die inside of me. I put them down at the foot of the cross. I stand there before you, Lord Jesus, feeling empty and at times even feeling a bit exposed and saying, Lord Jesus, you fill me up. You put those things back inside of me, the plans, the promises, the hopes, the aspirations, that fire for you, Lord Jesus, for your people, for your church. You put those things back inside of me. Jesus Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And just a shout out to Milneton too, just to Gabe and Fiona, to Warren and Inga, to Brett and Shelley, to our home group, to the people that have welcomed us in. This journey of restoration has also been about us becoming a part of this wonderful community, the gift that is his local body. Thank you. Jesus Christ is before all things and in him all things hold together. He holds me together. He holds you together and he holds us all together. Amen. Amen. Well done, Scott. That's amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, let's give him one more round of applause. Scott, Scott, Scott. Brilliant. Next up, we, uh, we, we just getting going here and getting ramped up. We've got an amazing uh, young lady who asked me just, she said she doesn't have time to tell you this, but she's single. She just said, I don't have time in seven minutes, but I'm single. Um, yeah. 
But uh, this is Michelle Massane. She is a teacher at Generation School. Yeah, there we go. She is, uh, pardon? Parents from the, from Generation School as well. There we go. Uh, and this amazing lady uh, leads worship here most weeks as well and has been involved in, in pioneering Milnerton with us. But this is a, a lady that you see with a lot of energy, a lot of life. But I want to say there's, this is, a, this is a, a girl who's got such depth as well, somebody who, who loves people so deeply and so with such uh, integrity. And we just want to honor you, Mish. We love you and we're so proud of you. She's from Durban. Uh, that's where our paths first crossed her briefly. But uh, I want to say that God has done so much in, in her in Cape town and i'm so excited to see what god's going to speak through this morning as we lean in with faith so everybody here is michelle massane hello <laughs> you can hold off for, i get your 10 seconds i take them <laughs> okay so who am i firstly i'm michelle lynn massane i'm 26 in less than a month hashtag presence um i'm a creative i'm a singer i'm a wild ridiculous dancer i'm a teacher I'm an attempting karate competitor and very stiff currently. I'm an ex-Durbanite, as Gabe shared, and I'm a now Cape Turnian. Can I get an amen? Yes, Jesus. <laughs> I have two extraordinary um, brothers and an extraordinary mom who's sitting over there. Yes. And um, what you may not know about me is that I took an extra six months to complete my degree. I didn't graduate cum laude. In fact, I scraped through. I'm a good teacher, though, I promise. Um, <laughs> I attended a few businesses, and all of them failed. I auditioned for Idols four times and The Voice twice. Obviously, no success. That's why I lead worship. I own a guitar, but can't really play it. Um, I can't ride a bike. Can you handle? I used to be a bully. I used to be bullied. Um, I used to steal money from my parents to buy friendships in primary school. I was rejected by the very person who should have accepted me regardless. I have a complete ridiculous fear of monkeys. <laughs> um, at the school I taught at in Durban, I used to lock myself in the classroom and send my three-year-olds to the other class to get what I needed. Go forth and conquer. Um, about a year ago, so when I asked myself, who am I? Those are the things I saw. I based my entire identity on my abilities, my accomplishments, and the words and opinions are from others. About a year ago, I started writing a book. Um, I'm not normally good with words, so it was a bit of a challenge, um, but more for me to document my walk with God. Um, and while I was writing this book, I was asking myself this question, who am I? So I'm going to just read a quick bit of it because you only gave me seven minutes and ten seconds. Um, it felt like people had lost faith in me. Was I not meant to be here anymore? I started feeling forgotten. I became angry, angry with myself. What did I do wrong? I became angry with the people close to me. Why have they forgotten me? I became angry with the church. Why would you leave me? I gave all my heart to the church and this is what you do to me. These are some of the conversations I had with myself. The soft hush of waves or the light bristle of breeze, leaves. These are reminders that there are waves and that there are in fact leaves. Those noises for me would be a joyous noise. Instead, here I sit in the silence, in a large empty room with no windows, no doors, no escape from the silence, I sit. My thoughts become my only companion. My words bounce off the walls like a never-ending game of pinball, bouncing back and forth, hoping to let them fall. Instead, they hide in those holes only to pop up again somewhere else. My thoughts eventually became so loud, they began to plaster themselves on the em quiet, empty walls in big, bold letters, unqualified. You see, I lived a large amount of my life doing things for a pr to seek approval. <clears throat> this is a safe space, so I'm going to be vulnerable, not that I haven't been already. Um, I used to lead worship um, I used to help at events, I used to serve myself dry, all to seek approval from others. The more I served, the more exhausted I became, the more self-doubt I had in my head. 
And the funny thing is the devil attacks us when we are tired. It began to trickle into my life outside of church. I would wear myself thin at work, saying yes to everything, in the small hope I would be noticed, that I'd get approval or praise. I'd be so fearful of not reaching the expectations that people put over my life that I overcommitted myself to everything. I hit rock bottom, starting to think about compromising myself and who I was and what I believed in, only to be liked, accepted, or maybe even loved. After reading Colossians, um, and now that all the things that you now know small a bit about me, three things jumped out at me. Um, answering that simple question, who am I? And I know it's preached all the time, but sometimes Jesus needs to Bible bash us ourselves in our quiet times to fully actually understand it. So in Colossians th- um, 1, 13 to 14 in the message version, it says, God rescues, rescued us from the dead end alleys and the dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the sun. He loves us so much. I am accepted. I'm accepted of the person he created me to be. He accepted me before I even graced the earth. No question asked, he just accepts. Three years ago, I went to um, America, as most of you know, and when I went for my visa approval, my visa application, as I walked up in the line, there were three people before me who got their visas denied. So obviously, panic sets in. Am I going to go, Lord? Um, so I walked up to the, the glass, and the guy behind the glass was like reading my application. like, Masson, like the animal guy, Devin Masson. I'm like, yes, that's my brother, but it's Masson, but close enough. I'm not going to argue with you now. He's like, oh, awesome. I know that guy. I love him. He's great. So your visa's been approved. Don't stress. I'm not going to ask you questions, but we're just going to pretend. I was like, great. Um, he didn't know who I was, but he accepted me just by my name. And when we fully believe we are accepted by Jesus, people stop seeing us for us, but he starts seeing, they start seeing the heart of Jesus, which is really a bonus for odd people like myself. So who am I? I am accepted. In Colossians 2, 9 to 10 in the Passion Translation, because I'm relevant like that, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. So I'm accepted. I am complete. And I love that because it's not just a completeness but it's, or a top-up, but it's a complete overflowing. When we believe we are complete, we overflow with Christ, revealing him, topping up on others to overflow in him. I don't need to do anything to bring up my qualifications or abilities because I'm complete in who he needs me to be. I'm accepted, I'm complete, and finally, I am hidden. In Colossians 3, verse 3 in the message, it says, Now your life is hidden away in God in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, you are really, you, who you really are will also be revealed. When I was younger, I had a bunk bed, so... Yes, still time. Um, so the, but there was just a top bed, no bottom bed. All my furniture was underneath it. And my brothers thought it would be a phenomenal idea while I was sleeping to take every piece of furniture in my room and put it on top of my bed while I slept. <laughs> yes, I lived a traumatic life. Um, and, I, and when I say everything, I mean my piano to my chest of drawers to my ev- everything, my stuff to everything on top of me. So when I woke up, I kind of couldn't move and I was completely hidden. And for a while, I thought that I'm hidden in Christ was cool, I've got Jesus and now I can hide under all my stuff and hide my stuff with more stuff and no one gets to see it and no one gets to experience it and we're stuck. But in fact, it's one of those really ridiculous 
like hands-free umbrella things that I recently saw on one day only that you wear and you can still be free and move. And as you walk through the rain, you are completely covered and protected and people don't see you, but they see this ridiculous umbrella. And that ridiculous umbrella is Jesus. Um, they, don't see, they don't see me, they see him completely protected, covered and accepted. So who am I? I'm not unqualified. I'm accepted, I'm complete and I'm hidden. As soon as we know and believe our identity in Christ, it frees us to love more, risk more, and fear less. Bam. Who are you? A preacher, Mish. Come on. I love it, I love it, I love it. Just amazing stuff. Want to call up the next preacher, Nicholas. Why don't you come on up? But while Nick comes up, Melinda, why don't you come up very quickly before he preaches? Bring that little cute bundle of joy you've got in your arms as well. Just, uh, where's CJ? Is CJ here as well? Come on up, CJ. Come on up very quickly. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see him there. Just because, just, just want to introduce to you this man's family very quickly. Uh, this man is Nicholas. He's going to be preaching this morning and uh, really excited about this. But this is a man's amazing family. This is his lovely wife, Melinda, CJ, and Madison. And uh, Madison is nearly a year old, coming up. 11 months now? 10 months? 11 months. 11 months. There we go. And uh, I just want to just honor this amazing family because I, I know, I, know it's, I, won't, I won't take what you're going to say, but I, I want to just jump ahead to... Some of you just see this family like this and they, they're smiling. Look, look beautiful. Hey? This is a very handsome family. Wow. But as, as Mish intimated there, that also that often what we don't see sometimes is we don't see the stuff that's behind it. And I just want to honor this amazing family who've made big decisions for Jesus, who've made big decisions when life was really, really hard and complicated. And uh, I'm just going to pick on this little, tiniest little person here. Um, Madison, this little girl's a miracle. So why don't you tell you, she's a miracle. If you don't know the story, this story, this little girl was born at 29 weeks. So she was 11 weeks premature. So it was quite a massive moment. Mom couldn't touch baby for a long time because uh, she was in ICU and all this stuff. Look at her clapping. She's like, talk more about me. Talk more about me. But, but I, I wanted to say that I just saw through all the, through that, that, that chaos, in, 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 if I'm allowed, just in, in January, the, the, because of the, the baby, Madison being born prem, premature, that, that extent of time, the, the doctors diagnosed that there's a high case for cerebral palsy. And, uh, I met, and this, this man here came to, he came to church that one day in, in, in tears saying, actually, this diagnosis is over my little girl, but I, I, I don't know what to do. But I just started to watch this man call on the name of Jesus in a situation where he had no control, where they had no ability. Mum, for a long number of days, couldn't touch her little girl. This, little, this, this man with this little girl couldn't, couldn't get protect her in this moment from this diagnosis. But this family again and again have trusted Jesus. And I just want to boast. You hear a man, he's going to preach, and he's going to preach phenomenally. But I want to just boast about this family. CJ, you're a champion, man. And we love your family. We're so proud of you guys. I'm sorry for putting you in the spot here, but... But this for me is that you guys are trophies of God's grace. And today is a special day for me. Uh, not just, this is more than a sermon for me. This is, watch, watch this space. I just want to declare of this family, watch this space. You guys are profound and we love you. So, well done, guys. Well done. So without any further ado. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts because this is Nicholas Tarbuck. Cool. <laughs> no pressure. Time has already started. Um, first, it's just a privilege to get to share the Word of God with you guys today. Um, but for the sake of time, I'm going to jump straight into the scripture that I have for you. It's Colossians 2, verses um, 20 to 23. 
which says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based merely on commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So <clears throat> while I was preparing for this, I wanted to find out why is Paul writing this to the Church of Colossae? And essentially it was because there was a lot of pressure coming from the um, Jewish Christian community to the non-Jewish Christian community to say, listen here guys, in order for you to complete your commitment to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, make sure that you eat a kosher diet. No more pork for you guys. Um, make sure that you get circumcised. That's on your to-do list. And, you know, make sure that you're observing sacred days. So Paul was very, very concerned because they started, instead of just looking at Jesus, they started turning themselves to this relig religious checkbox system where Paul knew that they had to turn back to Jesus and that, that's the main saving grace. So if I just look at verse 21, I won't take too much time in terms of, in terms of the scripture itself, um, but it says, died with Christ but alive in this world. So acting as if we're still alive in this world, what does that mean? Um, I, I sincerely believe that what Paul was trying to say is that as soon as we shift our focus from Jesus and put other things in that place, that is when we start becoming alive to this world again. When we look at our circumstances around us, that's when we start becoming alive to this world again. Um, if I skip to verse 23, which says basically what Paul's trying to say there is all these things, all these regulations, all these um, self-deprivation, it looks fantastic. To the outside world, it looks amazing. Um, but it lacks any power or value when it comes to stopping the desires of the flesh. Yes, you can sacrifice all those sort of things, but when it comes to the actual power of stopping that, that's in Jesus Christ alone. So I don't know where you're at today or what you feel that you, you need to stop doing or what you need to start doing um, before you can call yourself a Christian or before you feel that you can walk into the more that God has for you. Um, maybe it's if you, you think that you just need to get a handle on that one sin. Um, if I could just this week not lose my temper then I can be, be called a Christian or just this week if I could get into the habit of praying every day perhaps then I could be called a Christian um, if I could just get this porn addiction under control you know then I'll start going to church um, or perhaps it's if I can just get this alcohol abuse under control then I can go to church so the reason I'm saying this and I'm going to be completely vulnerable with you guys today um, is because Look, I've always known about Jesus. I was brought up in a Christian background. Um, but in my teenage years, I started abusing alcohol. Um, and I put my identity in that, and that's the person who I, who I thought I was. Um, to a point where two and a half years ago, I decided to stop drinking for 109 days, um, which I did. But then very soon after that, I went back into my old habits. Um, I hit a completely new low. And in that time, obviously, I, I've, I've known about Jesus, but I, I knew I needed saving, and I was just—I was going to call on the name that saves, and that's Jesus. And in doing that, I mean, that's the night I committed my life to the Lord. But I was a new Christian, filled with zeal, very passionate, very on fire for God. But there's still sin. <laughs> you don't become a Christian and then there's no desire or no fleshly desire. So, so what happened there is I used to—I stopped focusing on Jesus, the one who saved me, and I started looking at my sins. Okay. Before I can sort of move on into what God has for me, 
Let me just get this drinking thing under control again. Let me just focus on, on, on that. Um, needless to say, God was very, very gracious um, and reminded me of who the savior in my story was. It's not me. It's, it's not in my own strength that, that, I, that I get this right, but it's, but it's through Jesus um, and him alone. You see, sometimes we get so consumed with the idea of, I need to stop doing this, or I need to do that, or I need to get everything right, where being a Christian is not about saying no to the world, but it's about saying yes to Jesus in everything, in every situation, and putting him at the center of our lives so we can start becoming dead to the world but alive in Christ. Um, yeah, and that's where pure joy is found. So I don't know how much time I actually have left. Okay, two minutes, not bad. Um, so just in terms of, of, of conclusion, yeah, I mean, I want to share with you guys that Faith in Christ is our saving grace, not our works or our deeds. Um, as Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one can boast. There is nothing that you can do to be saved by God. Okay. He's done that for you already. Um, so as I just sort of wrap up here, yeah, I think I've maybe sped through this. <laughs> um, I just want to challenge you guys this week as you, as you go into this week. I don't know what your problems are. I don't know what you feel like you need to stop doing or, you know, what, what this mountain is ahead of you. But I can promise you that when you start focusing on your problems, you give power to your problems. You cannot see past those problems um, because they're right in your lens right there. Shift your focus to Jesus. And I promise you all the things of this world will fade away and they will seem dull. Amen. Who needs seven minutes when you can do it in six? <laughs> honestly, honestly, checkmate. Brilliant, Nick. Brilliant, brilliant. I just remember when Nick, uh, the, when the first time he walked into church on the back of 109 days of, of sobriety, and then on the, after 109 days of sobriety, he said there still wasn't any joy. And so then he went back to the drinking with his mates, and he said in that place, there wasn't any joy. He said that place, he said whether I try hard, there's no joy, and when I just give in, there's no joy. He says surely there has to be a different way. And that's when he came face to face with Jesus, and the story began to change. So proud of you, man. Really, really proud of you and your family. Finally, this morning, we have in for a treat. We have an amazing lady called Leanne Pringle, everybody. Come on, come on. Go. Leanne is a, an, is a teacher at uh, Milnerton High School. She's married to the amazing Aiden Pringle. She's got three children. She's got many dogs and cats and animals. Um, but she's got one passion that supersedes all of them, and I know that to be true. This is a lady that loves Jesus, that seeks Jesus. I, I want to also tell you, this is a woman that has prayed for you guys and this church uh, almost nonstop for since, ever since we started this congregation. And I, I, I've got the proof of it in voice notes that she sends to us. But I, I say that in jest, but with actual with deep, deep love for, for the prayers that she's prayed for this community. She prays for us, prays for us as a people that God would do what only he can do. So this is a woman that's speaking not just from a place of, hey, can you speak this week? This is a woman who's speaking from a place of she's prayed and prepared for years, for not just this moment, but for every moment that, that God brings across her path. So went for a treat, lean in with faith, everybody. Here is Leanne Pringle. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. Right, I'm going to get started straight away. And we're going to go right to the end of the book of Colossians, to chapter 4, verse 17. And it says, 
and say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Now, I don't know about you, but who is Archippus? I came and I had a look at this. I thought, maybe I'd missed something. Let me go back and have a look. But I promise you, it's not there. There's no Archippus anywhere else in the book of Colossians. But Paul does write about him again in the book of another book that he writes to Philemon. And he says in the beginning of this letter, he refers to Archippus as our fellow soldier Archippus. Now we can assume that they're actually the same person. But the reality is, who is Archippus? Didn't really seem like you know, a really important guy. Well, I'm gonna invite you to come and join me in my wild imagination for a moment. So, this day that this letter to the church in Colossians arrived, I can just imagine what it would have looked like. Or would have went, it would have gone quietly from one person's pocket to another because nobody had to know about this letter. And you can just imagine this guy walking around like such excitement. Oh my goodness, I have a letter in my pocket from Paul. I wonder what it says, but I can't open it. Okay, so I need to let the church know about this letter. Maybe we can send them an SMS. Would have gone something like this. Don't miss out this Sunday. We've got something so special for you. We'll be reading a letter from Apostle Paul. Yeah. And on this Sunday, oh, the excitement, you know, the atmosphere would have been so real when you walked in. And in the middle, somewhere over there when everybody sat down, was Archippus. But you know, Archippus knew that nobody really knew him. He'd helped out a bit. You know, he'd done about a week or two at Life Kids and they knew that's not for him. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe about two weeks as a coffee barista and then thought, it's better if I don't carry on. But the reality is when he sat there, he knew he wasn't really anybody. They wouldn't really notice him. I don't know about you, but I can seriously relate to Archippus. I am not an elder, I'm not a worship leader, and the reality is that standing here, if I had to drop all the masks and you had to see what's really going on inside of me, you'd see all the insecurities that I carry around with me. And sometimes they shout so loudly that they're the ones I listen to. And they say things like, you're not good enough. Why stand up? Why say anything? Sit down because they're going to see the real you. But like Archippus, I've been sitting here for the last few weeks, and I've heard this letter taught over and over again. And what's happened is I've fallen madly in love with the passages in the book of Colossians. They tell me about my Jesus and who he is. He is the visible, present image of my Father God. He is the one who surrendered his body to death so that I can live in a real relationship with my heavenly father. And then there's this one verse that Mish referred to earlier on that I'd like to also tell you about. Colossians 3 verse 3. And it says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Over and over again, I've heard God whisper this to me the last few weeks. You are hidden in Christ. You are hidden in Christ. You are not hidden in your weaknesses. You are not hidden in your insecurities. You are hidden with Christ. So I want to paint a picture for you of a little child wearing a lion onesie. Now they stand in this onesie, they're like, yeah, I'm a lion. Now you know they're a little child. But you know what? If you had to shine a light on that child and look at the wall behind them, what would you see? A lion. 
So if you had to shine a light on us, what would you see? The Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, that's what you'd see. So here's the thing. Looking back over the years since I've been in a relationship with Jesus, this is something I've struggled with many times. God has told me, I believed him, and then other times, not so much. Sometimes the words that people have spoken, they hurt a lot. And even standing here, if I had to think about it, I'll remember them. They haven't just gone away. But I'll also remember what God said and who he said I am. He said there are words and there are pictures he's going to give me for my community that he puts me in that will encourage them, that will show them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus has come so that they will be free from the stuff that they carry. And if I listen to the insecurities, then I'm not going to be that person. So what if, what if I live like I really believe that I'm hidden in Christ? When they see me, won't they see Jesus? When they hear me, won't they hear his heart for people? But what if I forget that this is about me and realize it's actually all about him? It's about him who's searching and chasing after his children and drawing them near to him again. What if I believe that it's about my father who sent Jesus to take those words spoken over me and those insecurities to the grave so that he could rise from the dead and I can be hidden in him? So I believe Archippus sat that morning and he heard this letter read and something inside of him just changed. He suddenly went, wow, they know me. And at the end of the letter, when Paul singled him out, and people were looking around going, who's Archippus? I believe courage rose up inside of him, and he stood up and he said, I am Archippus, and I will carry out the ministry that God has called me to. So here's the thing. We sit in the same place today. God knows your name, and God is calling every single one of you out today. He's asking you to take those insecurities and those things spoken over you and put them in the grave. He's saying to you, you are a gift to this community. You have words of encouragement. You have faith. You have love that he's put inside of you for the people around you. And he's asking you to rise up with courage and stand up today and say, here I am, Dad. I will carry out the ministry that you've called me to. I think those were four phenomenal, phenomenal sermons. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for uh, seven minutes to us, or six in case of Nick. Um, <laughs> but, but I want to tell you, these, these, these guys have put hours in this week in prepping and praying and trusting God. What, what, are, you, what are you saying to us as a people? This morning, I, I'd love just to call up the band just to, to wrap up for us. Um, and uh, we're going to have communion together. This morning, we're going to come communion. If you're visiting with us, is a moment where we remember the, the body and the blood of Jesus. And I, I just, as I wrote down just the, the main points of each of those uh, sermonettes, just to preach to our hearts this morning, just the fact that I, some questions, maybe you're here today and you're falling apart. You feel like your life is falling apart as you know it, that your life maybe at, at best is on pause, just waiting for something good to happen. Maybe for you, you're feeling unqualified hidden under a whole bunch of other stuff. Maybe you're here today and you feel bound to sin.
making promises to God, but you just can't ever get free of them. Or maybe you're here feeling insecure and forgotten like Archibus. I want to tell you the great news as we reminded this morning from the book of Colossians, but more importantly from Jesus' heart, is that if you're falling apart, He holds all things together. If you feel unqualified, He qualifies and completes and hides you. If you're feeling bound to sin and tired of making promises, He frees and saves you completely. If you're feeling insecure and forgotten, He calls you out of hiding and says, I've given you a purpose. I've given you a purpose and He has not forgotten it. This morning, I want to tell you the, the clarion call here is not to another promise, not to try harder, not to hey, make a commitment to come more to church. This is not the call this morning. The call this morning is would you trust the body and blood of Jesus? Would you trust that Jesus is enough for you? Every week in this series, we've preached with one main thought. Every week we land with the thought that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And maybe you go, you're saying, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a bit redundant. You say this all the time. I want to tell you, we'll say this till the very, very end. Jesus is enough because he is. All other wells, all other promises, all other religions fall short. There's only one that stands high above them all, and it's Jesus. Because every other religion says, make promises to God. Christianity says, Jesus made a promise to you. He says, I am faithful. My blood is enough.